Ladies and gentlemen, CEO of Lodestar Software Solutions and the host of Lodestar Sound and Music. In this podcast, we bring in thought leaders from across the real estate industry, occasionally outside of it, to have conversations that are insightful, interesting, and impactful. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Lodestar's Lending Leaders. We have a very special guest today, a good friend, fellow office mate of mine, Eric Foster, founder and CEO of It's Whoop, Whoop Group. Um, I know you're even changing your name, too, so hopefully I got that right, Eric. But um, All types of names. We'd love to you know, talk about the exciting world of, uh, world of insurance and everything that they're doing to really revolutionize that space. So thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate yeah. it, Jim. So, um, I mean, kind of twisted your arm, but you know what? I think this is going to be <laughs> nonetheless. But um, so, you know, I, I'm sure like any other kid, you grew up wanting to be an insurance salesman, right? So what what got you into reinsurance, the world of insurance, doing what you're doing now at Whoop, telling us a little bit about that, you know, the, the origin story, I think is always a great place to start. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So like everyone else in the insurance industry, I started in the National Park Service. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, actually, I did start my career at National Park yeah. Service. At history. Independence Hall. What's that? At Independence Hall. At Independence Hall, right in Philadelphia. That's it. Yeah, the the Rangers suit and all. Um, so I did historical work for the Park Service. That was in a time of sequestering, which was like nightmarish to, you know, have to study a career on. So so I was looking for something else. And my, my funny joke, which probably shouldn't post publicly, but will anyways. My my aunt is a uh, is an underwriter for a ENS insurance company. <laughs> she goes, yeah, you should really get into insurance. People make a lot of money and they're not that smart, <laughs> which I will say there's lots of smart people in insurance, but like when you're 22, you're like, oh yeah, I'll go look at this. <laughs> people so, have told me that realtors are just loan officers who can't do math. So, <laughs> you know, I think there's, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of jokes about people in the industry. So, um, so I was looking for a career change. I wanted an opportunity where I could just. I knew I would take a bet on myself. So I actually got into the business as a temp doing mm-hmm. what was billed as data entry um, for a company called Hartford Steam Boiler, uh, mm-hmm. which is a niche equipment breakdown and insurance company. Um, did that, worked my butt off. About a year into it, I was uh, supervising an operations management center. Had like mm-hmm. 16 direct reports, did everything from underwriting assistance, first notice of loss, outbound servicing, inbound claims like a little bit of everything. It was actually the tough job. It was a fantastic experience. Uh, I was able to get into like a little bit of everything in the insurance back office space. And like when you're young, you're starting a career, at least in my opinion, the biggest thing is just to like expand your breadth of knowledge and learn as much mm-hmm. and as aggressively as you possibly can. So it was a perfect opportunity for that. Um, ended up moving toward to into the parent company of HSB called Munich Re, where I was in their innovation mm-hmm. group. Another really strong experience. Uh, did a little bit of everything. I was technically an ideation analyst at start at the start, mm-hmm. which is like you're vetting out business cases. Some of mm-hmm. them are standalone companies. Some of them insurance products. Ended up helping to build insurance products, build a standalone entity within the group. Realized I wanted to kind of do this whole innovation entrepreneur space on my own, left the organization, um, and found when we have uh, a handful of companies underneath technology, we have insurance agents. Um, so that's what got me into this. Mm-hmm. I will say, outside of like the traditional experience, I think what fascinates me is that it is a 
huge industry. It is still like way back in terms of what customer expectations are. And that, you know, that gets me so excited. It is like the least sexy place in the world. And everyone and my friends still joke and tell them I'm trying to sell them life insurance. Um, but <laughs> uh, I think it's a fascinating position to be as an entrepreneur where you can really start to build a desired customer experience mm -hmm. and a very legacy industry. Well, I think, you know, that that unsexiness in, in many ways makes it right for or innovation, right? Because people don't necessarily think to wanting to go and get into a space like that. Um, it's a more, more mature industry. Insurance has been around for a very long time. Um, you, you talked about people's expectations of insurance. What do you feel they are and what, what has shaped them? Yeah, so when I think about that, I don't think about what people's expectations are for insurance. I just look at what are your expectations buying anything, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And the analogy I like to draw for what we're looking to build, and I think this bridges across insurance, mm -hmm. is the best user experience that I think of is when I turn my TV on, right? So I have a fire stick. So I go in and turn on my TV. Immediately, I get all different types of entertainment, right? So I get traditional, I can watch TV, I can watch live sports, right? But I get movies. I can plug into like ESPN, I can plug in Disney, I can plug in the kids shows, I can watch YouTube, I can go on the internet if I want. And it's all just embedded in that customer experience. It's super simple, it's outrageously convenient, and as soon as I'm in there, I'm confident. I'm gonna get what I want, I'm gonna get what I need by going. I think that's what everyone is growing to expect, where you can get everything that's required in a process all in one step. And what's interesting about insurance is that no one wakes up and they're like, I'm gonna buy insurance today. It's usually part of a bigger transaction, right? You're buying a home, you're buying a car, you have to update or buy completely new insurance. Mm -hmm. And our goal is just to make it as simple, convenient, and instill a bit of confidence in those customers within that larger buying process. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that's, a, that's how I look at how we're building and where I think the insurance industry needs to go. Mm -hmm. Nope, and I think you bring up a good point and that that how much stuff people need to buy when they buy a home um, is crazy. I mean, buying a car to a lesser extent, but you're buying a home. Think about, you know, all of the costs that go into obviously buying that house, but then also all the insurances you need, um, owner, owner's insurance, um, patio furniture that you need, moving, mover's insurance, things like that. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's um, a really good opportunity to provide a lot of value at that point. Um, and one of the things I really like about what you guys are doing is you help companies do that, right? You, you help lenders, um, mortgage companies, real estate companies at that kind of point of sale, um, help their customer, but then also take advantage of kind of the insurance. So I'd love to hear about how that business model is a little bit different. Um, and especially in a market like now where everyone's looking at ways of adding value, I think it's a really good one. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, what we start with is a customer experience and a byproduct of that is an also additional revenue stream for our partners. Yeah. So functionally, what we do is we enable businesses to plug in home and auto insurance into their current buying process. Mm -hmm. We do that by actually helping them stand up their own insurance agency. We plug in multiple different carriers so customers can compare from different insurance companies. They feel confident in the purchasing process. And then we embed the actual the online sales process into what their current process looks like. So if you already have a loan application or you're asking to show proof of home insurance, we supplement by that giving the customer an option 
go ahead and, and buy insurance at that point of sale when they're already needing it. I think what's fascinating to me is that if you're like in insurance, your biggest referral partner is people who are buying a home, right? So you're going to like a loan officer or a realtor and you're getting the referrals, but it's been such a pain in the neck to like own this experience yourself for both regulatory reasons, but also just the insurance agency model is hard to get right. right. Um, most stay away from it. So we make it really simple for businesses, but also that has to dovetail with a killer customer. Is that when people stay away from it, it's just due to the regulation or the rules or a lack of understanding or all of the above? Yeah, I think it's C, all of the above, uh, mm -hmm. but generally it's hard model to get right, as silly as that sounds. Insurance mm -hmm. is still a very like manual process driven industry. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, but that also means it's really hard to make it worthwhile in a lucrative business unless that's all you do. Right. The analogy I like to draw is there's a like an in independent insurance agency study, and mm -hmm. when you get to higher volumes, your profitability is like one to three percent as an independent insurance agency. Mm -hmm. So if you're a lender, you really want one to three percent of profit on standing up an insurance agency. It's not worth your while, the headache, the staff, and billing to all of that. So I think just getting that model right has been really hard, and frankly nearly impossible for most companies unless they're willing to front a gross amount of capital and really dedicate to this. Mm -hmm. And then is it even worth like the shareholder value or the entity value to do all of that? Mm -hmm. um, so yes, there's regulatory issues. Yes, it's complex. But I think underlying and core to that is, you know, the, the, the juice hasn't been worth the squeeze. It's too much yeah. effort, but not enough money. And it's interesting too, because I think both you and I started our companies before the industries that were technically in existed, like insure tech, is a very new phenomenon, reg tech, um, mortgage, mortgage tech, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, what do you think has been driving a lot of that? Like, you know, with, with Lemonade or with those, those other really popular insurance companies, is it just people realizing that, hey, this is an area that's ripe for disruption? Yeah, I think, um, I think some of it is customer experience, right? Insurance companies are massive. Like, if you think about the average age, I believe it's over 100 years for the average age, age of that's wild. And with that comes a lot of legacy systems. Yeah. So there is a piece that is right for disruption in terms of it's very easy to kind of have a very stable business model and not focus on increased customer experience, right? Yeah. You got something that's working, you've been around for hundreds of years, it's easy just to not do anything. And then companies like Lemonade are able to step in and, and realistically, I think their Lemonade's fantastic at marketing. They have a great customer experience. By far, that is the best thing they offer. Incredibly easy to compare, buy, and process a claim. Yeah. That's the core stuff an insurance company does. They just haven't focused on it because it's been a worthwhile, lucrative business. Right, and it's uh, never viewed as a profit driver, right? It's a cost center, so let's just do this as cheaply as possible. Exactly, and mm -hmm. many insurance companies, not all, rely on their agency workforce to do the selling. See? So now customers are expecting to do a much more complex transaction or most of a transaction online. Like mm -hmm. look at home buy. How many loan applications were done online in 2008? The technology was there. Yeah. Not many were doing it. Now the customer expectations. Um, the, uh, someone's address gets entered 70 different times when they apply to close on a home. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think the customer experience drives it. I think mm -hmm. the insurance industry was behind because legacy systems, but that's what a lot are, are growing into it. And frankly, like, it wasn't a broken model. 
Sure, it's still getting sold every day. It's required. Right. So where's the need to really expand that? Because you're still going to sell policies. Yeah. People have to buy it one way or another. Well, and then how do you – something we talk a lot about on this podcast with mortgage companies and companies in the industry, is this a technology business? Is this a relationship business um, or both? And how do you kind of balance that? And how do you not just use technology for technology's sake but actually use it to drive stuff forward? So how do you or the companies you work with kind of try to balance that? Yeah, so I'll tell you what we do from a technology and then from like a personal perspective. So we use technology in two very specific manners, mm-hmm. both of which fundamentally get at automating like non-value added process, right? Mm-hmm. So the first piece we built is an embeddable application. It's really easy for people to request insurance, mm-hmm. we pull in third-party data, we can white label if we need to, simplify the application, and we have a partner that's going to transfer the data, we can ingest it so it's relevant to the bar. Mm-hmm. We built that, and that is pure technology. There's nothing there. And frankly, like insurance is a bit of a data game. You need a lot of information to make it as easy as possible to get that. Mm-hmm. Second technology piece we did was we automated all the back office stuff that, like, why does a human have to do this? Why do we have to go request and send proof of insurance? Mm-hmm. Why not just automatically generate and send that to a client? Right. No human wakes up and says, I'm going to send an email for proof of insurance 40 times today. That stinks. Like, that's not fun. We automated the, the day-to-day operations that just, that automation didn't exist. We had to build it from scratch. And then the person piece for that is we take those time savings, those efficiencies gained, and use that to have real humans actually use their brain and look at something and say, hey, this is what would be, I think would be a good fit or have the conversation with the customer and explain a really complex functionally like a promise in case there's a loss in yeah. human terms because technology can only go so far in terms of building confidence mm-hmm. and i would love everyone to do everything online but realistically often you just want to have a conversation and feel good about what you're buying so we yeah. use technology for the simplicity and the convenience but ultimately if you want a human conversation have Build confidence in knowing someone and actually talking to someone and have that person use their brain to tell, make a recommendation for you. I think that's a great point, and that's something um, you, you answered it without me even having to ask the question of what is the high, highest kind of leverage purpose of your staff. And I think that's something that I wish a lot of other companies, especially in the mortgage space, would understand uh, that this is what we want our staff to do. So the more we can leverage technology to really get them engaged with the customer because applying for insurance versus applying for the mortgage has a lot of similarities and people probably equally hate doing both in many ways so how much can you automate the process so you don't have your your loan officer asking to verify income asking what they do asking all of those basic questions and instead ask something like what's what's your goal for this transaction right something that actually leverages that relationship with a hundred percent. I think one of the, the coolest things that we rolled out that we're looking to expand more on is asking customers how like how do they want us to deliver this information to them? You just want it online. I very much prefer I'm a DIYer, right? I'm in a research, I don't want to talk to someone, I don't like being sold to. That is my bias. That is not everyone. So we give people, hey, you want to schedule a call and we'll just walk through everything that we did, make sure you feel confident. You want a video. You want us just to send you a video and explain, hey, here's you know, the normal questions we get asked every single time, here's specifically what we did for you. Um, so we're, we're, our goal is to kind of meet the customer where they are 
uh, within that buying process and use people to actually talk to people. Yeah. Pretty novel concept. <laughs> you probably run into a, a, an issue that that's similar in the mortgage space is, you know, the average age of a person applying for insurance or a, or a mortgage versus the average age of a person in the industry servicing them, right? So how do you kind of close that gap? in a way that uses technology or people think it's weird if people text them, right, for, for work purposes or things like that. So I think there's there's always that gap of understanding. And unfortunately, these industries are just gonna have to get younger one way or another too. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to see kind of how that's evolving and, and slow, slowly but surely happening. Yeah, I think there are good parallels in terms of like the insurance and terms yeah. of into the lending industry where mm -hmm. the average age of, I believe I don't I don't remember what a loan officer is. I believe it's late fifties, but I could be totally making that up. I think I'm dating an independent insurance agent in late fifties right now. Um, how do you bridge that gap? And I yeah. think we we do some of that with technology, but also training people to to meet customers where they are. We absolutely do text, right? If you want to text us, we'll text you back the whole time. That's that's fine. If you want to do right, you know. Use the uh, type to chat on our website. Absolutely. We'll do that as well. Well, then it's, how do you get like a 20-something-year-old to get their insurance license and go into this then in the same way that someone would do that as a loan officer? Like, what's in it for them, right? How do you recruit someone to the industry? You know, one of the things that I found in terms of recruiting is I prefer people who are not from the industry. Yeah. Where – you get to dive in, and maybe this is my bias, but candidly, we've seen the most success with people who are not from the industry. You just want to learn. So yeah. I started this conversation giving my experience where like, I was able to aggressively get this massive breadth mm -hmm. of experience. Similarly, if you want to learn about insurance, all of the resources are available. We support that. Yes, it is super helpful to learn from someone who's done it, but this isn't rocket science. It's understanding risks. It's understanding coverages all learnable things i heavily lean on recruiting for you're going to learn a skill set that you can leverage all over the place not only just in insurance if you want to do your own thing thereafter but also you're going to learn how to speak with customers and sell something that is complex you're going to learn how to study like as stupid as that sounds learn how to study something for like government regulated industries that's really important to learn how to do because Every single year, we all deal and interact with government-regulated industries and understand how to approach them, how to do these things. Um, mm -hmm. So we are, it's 100% it's skill set building. And if you've got the right attitude, you can take it as far as you want. Um, so that's what we do. I prefer people who are aggressive. I don't care, you know, what age they are. I just want them to be able to interested and curious, wanting to learn something that is different and new. So more yeah. of an attitude than like a skill set. Mm -hmm. That's that's how we are. You know, I, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, it depends for us on the position of where we're really looking at that industry experience versus not. Um, but it's a lot easier to teach someone about insurance, whether it be title insurance or auto insurance or home insurance, than um, someone who's not collaborative, not eager to learn, not a team player. You know, all of those things that you just can't teach. Absolutely. You can, you can know all the things about insurance, but if you can't explain it to someone who doesn't, that knowledge is useless. <laughs> so you'd mentioned kind of being in the insurance space and doing more in the mortgage space, and we've been kind of talking about some similarities. When you, you know, finally started learning more about the mortgage space, trying to enter into the space, and that's how we met, I think, three years ago now. Um, yep. 
what what has surprised you? What hasn't surprised you? Um, what hasn't surprised me mm -hmm. is some of the parallels that I see another long, stable industry struggle with. Everyone talks about improved customer experience, you know, the the digital lending process, fully digital closing. But I don't, I, at least when I was starting, I saw a lot of like talk, not a lot of like actually meeting the customer expectations. And I thought that's very similar to insurance. There's a ton of wanting to be there, but the reality is still, a, it's, it's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think that was necessarily surprising, but I understand like it's both evolving. And, and I, I liked having to see those parallels. Mm -hmm. um, I think what was surprising to me is exactly how many moving pieces there really are in the lending. There is so much. Like I know home insurance is step like 13 of 15 in buying a home. Yeah. But like lending is so infinitely complex with mm -hmm. all its own rules and backgrounds and like very detailed history of the players, where they've been, why it is the way it is, how the marketplace is ever shifting. I don't know. I I think I naively underestimate exactly how complex and how many players and the value they each bring into mm -hmm. that that distribution channel. I mean, especially someone coming from your perspective and a complex industry in its own right too. It's it's interesting to to hear that. Yeah, I was I was fascinating. You know, I my bias was insurance. I'm like, oh, there's so many rules regulated by each individual state, different licensing, all that. So I'm like, yeah, this industry requires a whole lot too. <laughs> all that and then some too. And then the I think the government involvement, especially with GSEs, can be a little bit different than instances in other industries. Um, and I don't know if there's a parallel to this in the insurance industry, but I think one of the things that is difficult about mortgage players is this is a very cyclical feast or famine type industry, right? Everyone's too busy with work um, to make process improvements, or they don't have enough work and they don't want to invest in the companies right now. So it's hire people, fire people, hire people, fire people. I don't know what, what you've seen like that um, in, in your experience. It's a lot more stable. Yeah. Um, there are definitely hard and soft cycles in terms of right. premium, in terms of people shopping, in terms of pricing, but it is exponentially more stable because, you know, maybe you're not refinancing, but you probably still live in that home and you still got to get home insurance on it. Um, I think there, it's a, a lot less of a roller coaster of an experience because the same people still have to buy insurance year over year. They're not going to be, there may not be as many people shopping, but there's equally as many policyholders. It's sort of mm -hmm. more of a zero-sum game than mortgage financing because there mm -hmm. are people building more houses, the right. market spread, like can go up really rapidly. Where insurance, it's roughly more stable. There's a lot less happening and uh, more cyclical yeah. basis. Mm -hmm. well, makes sense. Um, and then the, the question, the last question I wanted to ask here, running a, a technology company growing through a pandemic what what challenges have you seen where's where's it been easy where's it been hard this is something you and i talk about a lot <laughs> yeah uh it's always a hard it's hard to answer that because it's all i've ever known right yeah. um i 
it's my first time entrepreneur. I've I've been an entrepreneur, if that's if that's a thing. Oh, um, which I don't know if it is. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's my first time as an entrepreneur, and it's the only reality I've ever known. So I can't say, ah, oh, it's easier or harder because of X, Y, Z. I, right. I still think you struggle with the same things. Mm-hmm. Sales is still difficult. Fundraising is still hard. Marketing mm-hmm. is still hard. Product market fit is always an evolving beast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one thing that's instilled in me is both both a challenge as well as an opportunity, flexibility, right? You gotta be on your toes. Like the biggest asset that startups have is flexibility. One, be laser focused, but that doesn't mean you can't change. It's much easier to steer that narrow ship than it is a huge tugboat that takes, you know, miles to make a turn, right? I don't know if tugboats take miles to make a turn. Someone, someone who's in the, it's the aircraft carrier. The tugboat yeah, the aircraft carrier. Yeah. 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 So it builds flexibility. Like, okay, hey, we're all remote. Cool. Let's change office space. That that's a lot easier to do when, in twenty minutes, I can call everyone on our team, have a person-to-person conversation. But that's also the asset. Leverage. Be more adaptable. Well, and doing that two years ago would be a little weirder, right? Of like, oh, we're gonna video chat. We're really gonna do this right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot easier to, to get everyone on board. Um, granted, it means a lot of things are changing. There's more things you have to handle than you may have in like a normal cycle. Uh, but it's equally as hard for all. Probably harder for them to make changes. They just you know use that flexibility and capacity to adjust to their advantage. Yeah, I think all all too often it's it's fast it's fast speed and slow, not big beat and small necessarily. Our, um, we have we have a friend who's a rugby coach, and he always says he looks for one of three things when he's recruiting. You want someone who's really big, really fast, or totally crazy. Um, <laughs> I always like that because I think it can apply to business a little bit of like, sure, the really big companies can do well. The really fast companies can do well. And the crazy folks, you always got to watch out for them because you never really know what's going to happen. So hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm probably a combination of the last two, not, not, not terribly big, but that's okay. I think all entrepreneurs and all may fall into the crazy category. We've had that conversation. You got to be a little, a yeah. little bit, uh, a little bit crazy to get into the space. It's a, it's a heck of a game. I love it though. <laughs> well, entrepreneurship is French for brain condition. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. So um, the final thing I always ask people is what, what keeps, what gets you up in the morning, right? So you, you talked about the struggles of entrepreneurship and, and doing this. Why do this versus anything else? I think what was eating at me so much is that there's a huge customer experience that isn't getting met in this space, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I see that as, one, it's a huge pain in the butt, right? Every day there's a million small things we have to tackle that mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, we don't do it this way. I, I know you, that's the point. That's why we exist. It's, this is why we do it differently. Um, and at once piece, that's frustrating. But, like, my line to everyone in my company is just, this is our opportunity. I love those millions of little small pieces because mm-hmm. I'm saying, this is our opportunity. Meet the customer where they are. Let's provide a better experience. Let's break down all of those challenges. That's the opportunity. The challenges are the opportunity. When I see them, as much as it's sometimes frustrating, it's equally invigorating to be like, oh, we got this. There is a huge light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Um, that, there is a market that is just untapped that we can, we can break into. Mm-hmm. That's that's what gets me excited. I love when I, uh, as a, an analogy that's very top of mind, mm-hmm. we're just onboarding a new carrier, and they asked us which zip codes we do predominantly work. 
mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm based outside of Philadelphia, but I write business in, in the entire US. Do you really want me to list all the zip codes right now? And they're a very large insurance carrier. I'm like, this mm-hmm. is our opportunity. That is the expectation of what we can break down and, and bridge the gap of what used to be there and what we can do today. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's great. And I think that's something I think about a lot too of in insurance and mortgage. I, I know very smart people who buy a home and it's never, I had a great process. It, oh, it was a pain, but I'm glad it's over. I'm, I'm glad I can move into my new house. Yeah, right. my, that's like my insurance piece. Is I the same as like I was on the, with them for 20 minutes, but I, I go when I need to buy a car, so it's fine. Right. And like, we can do better than that. Completely agree. And by doing better, that's really the opportunity. As silly as it sounds, turning an experience of like, ugh, I had to do this. It blows my mind when I'm like, guys, like, shop right. your insurance. I'm like, yeah, it's a pain though. <laughs> Make it easier. And I think the advantage to the company too is you get a lot more customer loyalty when you do that too. It's not a, you know, for 15 minutes, you save 15%. It's, no, I really like my company. I like their service, so I'm going to deal with them. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And not to go all the way back, but full circle. I love tie. I love tying in. Let's do it. That's what the change in industry is. Like you mentioned, lemonade. That's what lemonade is. They focus on killer customer experience. Right? Yeah, that's an opportunity. So we just want to expand it to every insurance company that we write business with, not just one individual carrier. And mm-hmm. tie that killer customer experience with you're beginning and expanding. I think that's going to be the episode title, Killer Customer Experience or something. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> you only said it about five times, so I'm going to click the news. So. There you go. <laughs> so any, any, anything else, anything that we, we, we didn't touch, anything you wanted to, to, to plug here? Um, anything I want to plug here? No, reach out to us. It's Um, My name is Eric Foster, Eric at Wolf Group. Reach out. We are bringing partners every day. We got a killer customer experience. <laughs> You guys have a wonderful team. For someone who used to share an office with your team before COVID, um, you know, it's it's an absolute opportunity in this industry. I don't think enough people try to take advantage of this in a way that they should. I appreciate it. Great. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love to hear from you in our comments or at lendingleaders at lfsoftwaresolutions.com. Very special thanks to Elena Gardner and Brian Regas, who helped produce our episodes each week. See you next time.